Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Russia laying out its plans for the next phase after claiming control of a strategic port city. Teams now collecting corpses from the ruins. Ethiopian men are volunteering to fight with Russia against Ukraine. Find out what's drawing them to apply for service. President Biden wants to end Title 42 quickly, but more Democrats are splitting with Biden on the move. A Democrat congressman from Ohio says ending Title 42 is wrong and reckless. The former president of Honduras has been extradited to the United States. He is facing federal drug trafficking and weapons charges. Russia says it plans to take full control of Donbass and southern Ukraine during the second phase of what it calls its special military operation. On Thursday, Russia claimed victory over Mariupol. Now it appears they're collecting the dead. Warning, the following video may be difficult for some viewers to view due to its graphic nature. NTD's Jessica Beatty reports. Russian emergency workers collected the bodies of Mariupol's dead Thursday, the same day Russian leader Vladimir Putin declared victory over the port city. It's unclear where they're taking the bodies, but satellite images from Maxar Technologies show possible mass graves outside the city. Ukrainian officials estimate up to 20,000 people have died in Mariupol since the fighting started. NTD is unable to independently verify the mass graves or the death toll. And even in the areas of Ukraine that the Russian army has now left, a very real danger remains. Active munitions. Here in Irpin, Ukrainian forces are collecting what Russian forces left behind. Same in Chernihiv, where experts are removing Russian bombs from the area. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky Thursday said Ukraine will need a lot of financial help, up to $7 billion each month to make up for economic losses. And we will need hundreds of billions of dollars to rebuild all of this later and recover from the war. On Thursday, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin welcomed Ukraine's prime minister to the Pentagon after President Biden pledged an additional $1.3 billion for new weapons and economic assistance. Ukraine's prime minister thanked Austin for the help. Your support helps us to stand uh, our ground and push the enemy back. The new aid package is expected to include 72 more howitzers, 72 vehicles to tow the howitzers, 144,000 artillery rounds, and over 120 drones. Our most recent packages are tailored to provide the capabilities that will let you and your people counter Russia's changing tactics. The Russians have been deploying additional artillery in the contested Donbas region in recent days. Heavy weaponry like artillery is expected to play a key role in the Donbas, where Ukrainian and Russian-backed separatists have been battling since 2014. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Drawn by rumors on social media, queues of hopeful men have been forming outside the Russian embassy in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Their hope? To enlist to fight for Russia in Ukraine. What began as a trickle of volunteers swelled over two weeks to scores, two neighborhood residents told Reuters. Among them was 40-year-old security guard Biniamal Detsadik, a retired soldier. The reason I want to go to Russia is not to fight Ukraine, but because I'm not benefiting from my country. I'd rather be a national of a different country. 
There is no evidence that any Ethiopians have been sent to Ukraine, nor is it clear if any will be. On Tuesday, Reuters reporters saw several hundred men registering with Ethiopian security guards outside the embassy. The guards recorded their names and asked for proof of military service. By Wednesday, the number had dwindled to around 20. The Russian embassy did not respond to questions from Reuters about whether Russia was deploying Ethiopian volunteers to Ukraine. It issued a statement on Tuesday saying that the Ethiopians who showed up outside the embassy were well-wishers, expressing solidarity and support for the Russian Federation. The Ethiopian Foreign Ministry welcomed the Russian statement for what it called refuting the unfounded reports of recruitment for the Russian armed forces, but did not respond to Reuters' questions. Neither did the Russian Foreign Ministry. Many parts of Ethiopia are riven by conflict and annual inflation hovers around 30%. Men in the queue said they had been drawn by rumours of monetary incentives on social media and the possibility of work in Russia after the war, such as trader Lita Kibru. I am willing to leave Ethiopia to support the Russian government in whatever way I can. I want to go and fight along Russians now and in the future. He said he had heard about a $2,000 payout from friends who had registered before him. Two others in the queues this week said they had seen posts on Facebook saying the embassy was signing up recruits. Reuters was not able to find any posts on this subject from official sources or confirm any such offer. Ethiopia has called on all sides in the war to exercise restraint. It did not vote on a UN General Assembly resolution condemning the February 24th invasion of Ukraine. Many in Ethiopia have voiced solidarity with Russia, which has enjoyed close relations with the Horn of African nation since the Soviet era. Slovenia's 2022 general election is coming up on Sunday, and voters in this Central European country are bracing for a tight race. Slovenia is a former Yugoslav Republic and a member of NATO and the European Union. The two strongest candidates are Janis Janša, the incumbent prime minister, and Robert Golob, leader of the environmentalist freedom movement. Polling shows Golob with a narrow lead. Janša was one of the first EU leaders to visit Ukraine after the Russian invasion. He wants to cut Slovenia's dependence on Russian gas imports. Golob's freedom movement wants more investment in renewable energy and more transparency in state institutions. He supports EU sanctions against Russia, but accused Yansha of trying to use the war for his own political gain. Critics also target Yansha's populism, saying he has undermined Slovenia's democratic standards and suppressed media freedom. According to a report this week by a U.S.-based rights group, in 2021, democratic standards in Slovenia dropped more than any other country in Eastern Europe and Central Asia. Whoever wins the election will need to form a new coalition government. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has made a big impact on the global economy, and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has even suggested having supply chains avoid autocratic nations. We hear from Jake Phipps, who is the CEO of manufacturing firm Phipps & Co. He describes the impact the war is having on sourcing raw materials and inflation. Raw materials in general, just, um, you know, because of Ukraine, you know, Russian conflict is really causing a lot of issues, you know, and price escalations in raw materials that we can't seem to get from there anymore. So it's uh, the inflation side of things, you know, on metals, oil, 
you know, wheat, certain products that have, uh, you know, in high abundance, plywood, um, raw material, lumber, that all comes from uh, the Russia, Ukrainian region. You know, it's called just uh, shortages and then uh, escalations in pricing. So we have millions of people fleeing the country. A lot of people are displaced within the country. How has that impacted production? Um, Production-wise, um, I mean, there's there's nothing we can buy from there right now anyway. But uh, it's impacting production just on a, on a global scale across the board. Most factories are at, you know, super high capacity levels or they can't get raw materials to be able to finish production. So they're only running one shift, two shifts instead of a normal three shift process. So, Jake, is there anything that can be done about this? And are, are there any ways to prepare in the future? Um, I think at the end of the day, there's really nothing that can be done at this point, you know, with all the sanctions. Sanctions are set, um, you know, there's really not going to be much change, you know, until this war subsides, you know, with the trade agreements. And I think trade agreements are going to change in the future when it does subside. Now, the World Trade Organization has said the war in Ukraine could cut global trade growth in half. Do you think that this is reasonable? That seems a little bit uh, too over the top, um, but it's definitely going to cause, you know, um, I would say probably 30 percent, you know, I don't know, half. And 30 percent, what does that look like for the average person? Um, it looks like everything that you're going to be buying on the shelves is going to be more expensive. It's going to continue to rise inflation and, you know, shortness of product, um, you know, for raw materials can create shortness of the end user consumer products. You know, it's a it's a it's a, a path that just passes down to consumers, you know, and users of those materials. A toy factory in northern Ukraine is inspiring citizens in its own way. Workers pin their hopes on the fluffy products they make. A Ukrainian toy factory is trying to help lift the country's fighting spirits by making war-themed plush toys that children adore. The idea took shape soon after Russia launched its attack in February. The sad news about the beginning of the war and about occupiers encircling our territories hurt everyone. It was very painful to feel the grief that overwhelmed us. Therefore, we started thinking of what we can do and working. The first of their products was a replica of the Antonov-225 cargo plane, the heaviest aircraft in the world. It was destroyed by a Russian strike outside Kyiv on the fourth day of the invasion. Known as Maria or Dream in Ukrainian, the plane was once the source of national pride. I put all my love into the toy Maria. I very much hope that we will win very soon. Everything will be fine and we will build Maria again. The factory has been producing toys of all shapes and sizes since 1998. Other popular toys include one in the shape of a Javelin anti-tank missile, which is U.S. weaponry shipped to Ukraine. In the workshop, employees are hard at work sewing. When I come back home from work, I have heavy thoughts. When air raid sirens are on, it's tough. But when I am at work, and when I know that this toy will be brought for a child and that the child will be happy, then I know I have brought a bit of happiness. This new wartime line was the brainchild of both the factory owner and the employees. The adjustment is also an attempt to retain workers in difficult times. The Kyiv Symphony Orchestra is kicking off its tour around Europe. Musicians will perform in several Polish and German cities, and they aim to highlight Ukraine's cultural identity amid the war. Here are the details. Hundreds of spectators, including diplomats and dignitaries, watched the Kyiv Symphony Orchestra kick off its European tour at the Warsaw Philharmonic Concert Hall in Poland on Thursday. 
The Ukrainian government has given male musicians in the orchestra special permission to leave Ukraine instead of serving in the military. So for us, the case of Ukraine that is right now touring and promoting their culture is also lessons learned that we should also always remember where we come from and that we should talk about it very loudly and to reach out to the whole world. The musicians and their families have been staying in Warsaw for the past two weeks. They have been receiving housing, food, and psychological support from the Warsaw Philharmonic, the National Institute of Music and Dance, and the Polish government. This is what a 22-year-old Ukrainian violist says. We have a really important uh, mission with our orchestra. We need to say to the world that we are Ukrainians. We have our own culture and uh, we have our own history. For these musicians, playing Ukrainian pieces means promoting Ukrainian culture to the world. Here's what the orchestra's Italian conductor says. Here we have so many great composers who are at the same level as other world-famous composers. That's why we chose a primary Ukrainian program, and I tried to choose pieces from different epochs and also to show the evolution of the style and also the different influences or relations between Ukraine and the West over the course of the century. The orchestra's public relations director says she hopes the tour will be able to get Ukraine more military support from European nations. Coming up, more than a dozen women who say they were victimized by former USA Gymnastics team doctor Larry Nasser file claims against the FBI. And a new report says there is political interference inside America's top health agencies. Four public health agencies are included in that report. We'll have more for you in just a moment here on NTD News. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a health advisory after children in Alabama were discovered to have adenovirus and hepatitis infections. The agency said that a cluster of children have been infected with both hepatitis and adenovirus after clinicians at a large hospital in Alabama issued a notice to the CDC in November 2021. The CDC notes that five pediatric patients with significant liver injury, including three with acute liver failure, who also tested positive for adenovirus, were reported by the hospital. The agency says the children were previously healthy and none had COVID-19. The agency also wrote that case-finding efforts at this hospital identified four additional pediatric patients with hepatitis and adenovirus infection for a total of nine patients admitted from October 2021 through February 2022. Two of those patients required a liver transplant and no patients died. Two more cases have also been identified in North Carolina. UK health officials say at least 100 children in the UK under the age of 10 have been diagnosed with acute hepatitis from an unknown cause. Cases have also been found in Denmark, Spain, and the Netherlands. A new federal report was released on political interference within the United States' top health agencies. Four public health agencies are included in the U.S. Government Accountability Office's report. The CDC, the FDA, the National Institutes of Health, and the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. The GOA requested data from each agency on internal allegations of political interference in scientific decision-making dating from the years 2010 to 2021. 
The report indicates some workers from the agencies observed but did not report incidents of political interference because they feared retaliation. Also, some indicated they did not know how such allegations should be reported or addressed. Currently, there are no specific procedures in place. In its report, the GAO makes recommendations to help improve the reporting and addressing of political interference allegations. President Biden wants to end Title 42, but a dozen Democrats want a plan to address the high number of illegal immigrants coming in before he does that. Title 42 is meant to keep those who might be infected with COVID-19 out of the country, and it's set to expire on May 23rd. But now, a growing list of Democrats are opposed to lifting it. That includes lawmakers who face tough races in the November midterms. Tim Ryan, a Democrat congressman from Ohio, called rolling back Title 42 wrong and reckless. Ryan made the comment to Fox News. He says a challenging Senate race is ahead of him, and he's co-sponsoring a bipartisan bill. That bill would stop Biden's reversal of Title 42. A Democrat from Maine, Jared Golden, is also seeking re-election. He said it's possible that Biden's move could create crisis conditions that would be dangerous for both illegal immigrants coming to America and Americans themselves. DHS reported over 220,000 encounters at the border in March. That's a record. And arrest numbers are reaching the highest they've been in 20 years. Another Democrat splitting with Biden over Title 42 is Congresswoman Susie Lee from Nevada. She told Fox News they need a plan to handle a surge in migration at the border in a humane, safe, and orderly way. Biden's decision to repeal the Trump-era border policy has drawn concerns from more Democrats, and that includes Representative Elaine Luria of Virginia. She accused Biden of being unprepared. She also called for proper tools and resources for border officers before Title 42 is lifted. What's more, there is Senator Michael Bennett, who is a Democrat from Colorado, He said he believes Biden has failed to articulate a plausible plan. It's because he says the southern border has already experienced a humanitarian crisis. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the current amount of funding will not meet the needs of law enforcement agencies once Title 42 is repealed. Florida lawmakers on Thursday approved a new congressional map proposed by Governor Ron DeSantis. The map could give Republicans four more seats heading into the midterm elections in November. Entity's Allison Lee has the details. 68 yeas, 38 days, Mr. Speaker. Show the bill passes. The Florida House passed a new congressional map on Thursday in a 68 to 38 vote, largely along party lines. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis proposed the current map after vetoing previous proposals. The new map passed the state Senate a day ago and now heads to the governor's desk for signature. As we heard yesterday, we got really clean lines. We divide counties fewer times. We follow prominent geographic and political boundaries. And we've continued to improve our product. And I think we've done this in in a fair and impartial way. Florida has 28 congressional seats following the 2020 census. And the new map will have 20 seats that lean Republican and eight that lean Democratic. During the debate on Thursday, some Democrats tried to prevent the bill from passing by disrupting the session and staging a sit-in for an hour. Members, we are back in session. As is obvious, we have members who decided they wanted to hijack our process today. Democrats opposing the new map say it violates the Fair Districts Amendment to the Florida Constitution and accuse Republicans of racial gerrymandering. This plan cuts minority 
districts in this state, African-American districts, in half. You don't want to be a part of that, and you don't want to be a part of contradicting the Florida Constitution and the Voting Rights Act. The Democrats are likely to challenge the new map in court. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. How is inflation going to affect this year's midterms? I wanted to explore this question, so I spoke with political science professor Nicholas Giordano and host of the PAS Report podcast. Inflation is huge. It's the biggest factor in this year's midterms. When people are spending more on gas and food and electricity, it means that they have less money to spend on everything else, the luxuries in life, going out to dinner, going to the movies, remodeling parts of their house if they need to do something. And, and so people are having to make real tough decisions about what they can afford to do and what they can't afford to do and what bills they're going to pay and which ones they can't. And they're angry. They're angry every time they fill up their car with gas. They're angry when they go to the grocery stores. And since Democrats are the ones in power, they're the ones that are going to bear the brunt of that anger. Now, let's talk about what Senator Elizabeth Warren said. She said if Democrats keep their word, they can win in November. They've delivered on pandemic relief, more infrastructure investments. Do you think this is the case? No, I don't. I think that it's foolhardy that the Democrat Congress and the president actually want to spend more money. It's part of the reason that we're in this inflation bubble in the first place. We printed trillions of dollars with nothing to back it up. We are not being fiscally responsible at all. But if we look at the American people with all the COVID stimulus they got, they're now paying that back and some because the inflation is going to be around for quite a long time, according to all the economists out there. And there's no real plan to tackle the inflation. One of the things that I find remarkable is how the administration and a lot of Democrats, they're saying, well, the economy is good. They're saying that the economy is on fire and we have the lowest unemployment rate. You have to be empathetic to what people are going through, what people are living through right now. You could have a great unemployment rate, but if people can't afford to buy things, they're not as happy as the economic picture looks out there. And I think that's a problem for Democrats. Now, Professor, to be fair, some of this spending may be contributing to inflation, but we have a war in Ukraine. We have pent-up demand from the pandemic. What are your reaction to that? Well, I think the war in Ukraine, while it does play a little bit of a factor in as far as gas prices go and Vladimir Putin, I don't think that the war in Ukraine really looks at the inflation like we're seeing because the inflation was happening way before Vladimir Putin decided to invade Ukraine. And we hear Democrats with the Putin price hike, Putin's inflation, but that's not really the case. Gas prices were rising pretty quickly for the last two years, same with food prices, and now it's affected every area of the economy. So when we look at it, the, the supply chain crisis, I think actually you could blame more than you can as far as the war in Ukraine. I think the supply chain crunch is reflects the problems that we're seeing in the economy and that hurt because that built up more and more demand but at the same time it was the lockdown policies that created that supply chain crisis the former president of honduras has been extradited to the united states he is now facing drug trafficking and weapons charges the justice department detailed the indictment today juan orlando hernandez the former president of honduras was extradited to the United States to face federal charges. Hernandez is charged with participating in a corrupt and violent drug trafficking conspiracy to facilitate the importation of tons of cocaine into the United States from 2004 
2022. Under a U.S. extradition request, Honduran police arrested Hernandez in mid-February at his home in Tegucigalpa, the country's capital. The Honduran Supreme Court granted his extradition to the U.S. in March. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration brought him from Honduras to New York on Thursday. Honduran authorities said he was in good condition before the departure. Hernandez was notified of the provisions of the competent judicial body regarding his delivery to the U.S. authorities on this day. He also received medical examinations, and he is in optimal condition. Manhattan prosecutors accuse him of receiving millions of dollars in drug cartel money. He allegedly used the funds to enrich himself and to finance his political campaigns. In return, Hernandez provided drug traffickers with protection from investigation and arrest. He allegedly gave them access to law enforcement and military information and prevented their extradition to the United States. Hernandez was president of Honduras from 2014 until January of 2022. He was once a key U.S. ally in drug enforcement operations. DEA Administrator Ann Milgram called his case a warning to leaders who support drug trafficking. This case should send a clear message to any foreign leader who corruptly abuses their power to support drug cartels. If you think you can hide behind the power of your position, you are wrong. Hernandez strongly denies the charges. He says that captured traffickers vilified him to take revenge on his government and reduce their own sentences. He portrays himself as a fierce opponent of drug trafficking. The U.S. and Cuba are holding diplomatic talks for the first time in years. One topic being discussed is migration. It comes as the U.S. tries to curb immigrants entering the country illegally. We would like to see a process that is safe, orderly, uh, and legal, and not one that is uh, dominated by irregular migrants uh, seeking to make a dangerous either overland journey or maritime journey uh, to the United States. The Washington Post reports that over 32,000 Cuban migrants tried to get into the U.S. in March. That's five times more than the number in October. Overall, Border Patrol stopped migrants of all nationalities more than 209,000 times in March. That's the highest monthly mark in 22 years. Former President Donald Trump said pundit Piers Morgan deceptively edited their interview after the TV host published a video that appears to show Trump walking out of the interview. Trump posted a statement that said Piers Morgan, like the rest of the fake news media, attempted to unlawfully and deceptively edit his long and tedious interview with Trump. Continuing, he wanted to make it look like Trump walked out on the interview when his time limit of 20 minutes went over by an hour. Trump went on to say that his team also recorded the interview and that people can compare the two versions. The interview is for the show Uncensored, which will stream on Fox Nation. The relationship between Trump and Morgan goes back to the mid-2000s when Morgan was declared the first winner of Trump's Celebrity Apprentice reality TV show. More than a dozen women who claim to have been victimized by former USA Gymnastics team doctor Larry Nasser have filed claims with the FBI asking for $130 million. The women say FBI investigators turned a blind eye to their allegations of sexual abuse by Nasser. An inspector general's report that came out about nine months ago revealed senior FBI officials failed to respond to their allegations, and when they did finally, numerous errors were made. Nasser was eventually tried and convicted of sexual misconduct and child pornography charges. He's serving more than 100 years in prison. Each of the 13 women are seeking $10 million. 
Claimants are required to give government agencies six months to respond and potentially settle before they are legally allowed to file civil lawsuits. Singer Tom Grennan is recovering after an attack at a New York City bar. His manager said it left him with a torn eardrum and other injuries. The British singer, known for a little bit of love, was outside a bar after performing in Manhattan when he was attacked and robbed. His manager says he is in good spirits after the unprovoked attack. He says doctors will need to see whether he can continue touring or not. Grennan was next scheduled to perform in Washington, D.C. and other U.S. cities before heading back to Europe for more shows. The D.C. show has already been postponed. His manager posted a statement that the singer is desperate not to let anyone down. Grennan was nominated for Song of the Year at this year's Brit Awards. 44-year-old David Banola was arrested Thursday and charged with second-degree murder in the stabbing death of Orsolia Gall. The woman's body was found stuffed in a duffel bag Saturday. Investigators say Banola was a frequent visitor to the 51-year-old victim's Forest Hills home. Mr. Bonella is a handyman who was employed by Mrs. Gall. They have been having an intimate affair for approximately two years. He is either let in voluntarily or he uses a key he has knowledge about hidden in the barbecue. A heated argument ensues between the two in the basement. A knife is brandished. A violent struggle ensues, resulting in our victim being stabbed ruthlessly and brutally in excess of 55 times, causing her demise. Police report that Benalla made a full confession after he was arrested. NYPD detectives were canvassing the area of the crime scene Wednesday night when they observed Benalla, who appeared to be injured. Investigators say his hand was heavily bandaged because of the cuts he suffered during the alleged attack. The Tennessee Senate has passed a new bill. It requires drunk drivers who kill parents of minor children to pay child support. The bill now awaits Governor Bill Lee's signature. The legislation is known as Bentley's Law, named after the child of a fallen police officer, Nicholas Gallinger. The officer was struck and killed by a woman driving while intoxicated in 2019. Under the new bill, the court will determine the amount of compensation after considering several factors, including the financial resources and needs of the child and guardian. If the defendant is in prison and unable to pay, they have one year to start paying upon release. The payments will continue until the child turns 18. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, an average of 28 people die each day in the U.S. in drunk driving car crashes. And just ahead, pandemic lockdowns have given new insight into air pollution, but what's the solution? And the pitcher in a college baseball game tackled the batter as he rounded the bases. Massive suspensions were handed out afterwards. Find out more here on NTD News. Today is Earth Day, and many are wondering how to do their part in helping the environment. For years, the focus has been on vehicles and the individual, but after pandemic lockdowns, it's becoming more clear what areas need improvement. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. Roisin Kaman is an assistant professor in Earth and Environmental Sciences at Columbia University. She works to learn more about harmful global emissions. A lot of the assumption has been that it's all traffic. And over the past few years, the, the, the media focus has been on the traffic. 
During CCP virus pandemic lockdowns, Command says she's gained insight into the bigger picture on causes of pollution. Vehicles have cleaned up a lot. They're not perfect. They are still a very substantial amount of pollution in large cities. But even in New York City, I was surprised at how little change we saw when all the roads were cleared. She says prior to pandemic shutdowns, experts such as herself did not appreciate how much pollution is coming from home heating, water heaters and power plants. I was blaming the cars. The cars disappeared. Suddenly it's not. We had a 20% cleanup. There are so many cars here. We should have seen 80% change in all that air quality and we did not. In the first year of the pandemic, CO2 emissions globally dropped nearly 7%, but saw a big increase in 2021 that overcame that progress. During the initial lockdowns, she says it was very eye-opening and thinks there are certain areas we should be focusing on. It was very interesting to walk around and think about the personal responsibility part and then realize that that is not going to get us anywhere. For years, vehicles and the individual have been the main focus, but the professor thinks real change is needed on a much larger scale. Stop eating beef, like there's all these things that have been pushed on us as individuals that we have to do if we want to be green. But I think COVID was a very good way of showing that you could do whatever you like, and it's not going to make a difference unless we can change the system that is providing our energy. She says global methane levels have jumped up 17 parts per billion last year, a record increase, and scientists don't know why. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Video shows the moment in a college baseball game where a pitcher tackles a batter while he's rounding the bases after a home run hit. Numerous players were suspended afterwards. Weatherford College pitcher Owen Woodward was suspended for four games over the tackle. North Central Texas College hitter Josh Phillips was suspended for two games during taunting. Weatherford officials have said Woodward could face expulsion from school, but the league office handed out most of its punishment to the North Central Texas program because of the players who ran onto the field after the hit. The league suspended most of the team for two games. It also suspended four additional Weatherford players and assistant coaches for two games. If North Central Texas is left without enough players for its next two games against Weatherford, it would need to forfeit. The teams are scheduled to play each other again this weekend. Warner Brothers Discovery announced it's shutting down its CNN Plus streaming news service less than a month after its launch. The move comes the same week Netflix announced it lost subscribers for the first time in a decade. CNN's ambitious new streaming service, CNN Plus, which launched less than a month ago, is already history. New parent company Warner Brothers Discovery announced Thursday it's pulling the plug after the platform got off to a slow start, reportedly attracting just 10,000 viewers a day. CNN Plus, which boasted familiar faces such as Anderson Cooper and Chris Wallace, debuted ahead of parent company Warner Media's merger with Discovery and reportedly cost over $120 million to launch. Its abrupt end is another reality check on the crowded and costly field of streaming businesses. Just this week, Netflix said it lost subscribers for the first time in a decade despite spending billions on programming, causing a stampede out of the stock. Among the investors making their exit, billionaire hedge fund manager Bill Ackman, who liquidated his fund's $1.1 billion bet on Netflix made just three months ago, locking in a loss of more than $400 million. A saturated market, along with the high cost of content, has left some investors wondering whether streaming services 
once viewed as a sure bet on Wall Street, still merit their high-growth stock valuations. Sell-offs in shares of Netflix and other streaming-related stocks such as Walt Disney, Paramount Global, Warner Brothers Discovery and Roku all deepened on Thursday. You no longer have to shop through Amazon to get Amazon Prime benefits. The online retail giant announced Thursday it will allow third-party sellers to offer those benefits through their own stores. It's called Buy With Prime. Right now, Amazon allows retailers to use its shipping and logistics services through the Fulfillment by Amazon service. This new move allows them the same access even for items they sell on their own sites and not through Amazon platforms. It comes at a time when Amazon is facing scrutiny for allegedly using data from third-party sellers to develop its own competing products. The company denies it has ever done that. And still to come, a 100-year-old man in Brazil breaks the Guinness World Record. He's been working for the same company for 84 years straight. More on that after the short break. The Supreme Court rules in favor of a descendant of a German-Jewish family. Their valuable French Impressionist painting was confiscated by Nazis and is now on display at a government-owned art museum in Madrid. The gist of the unanimous decision is that in property cases, foreign governments and entities they control should be placed in the same position as private parties. The Supreme Court determined that in disputes such as this, lower courts should rely on state law and in this specific case, the law of California. The late owner of the painting was forced to trade it to Nazis to leave Germany with her life. She spent years trying to locate the missing painting before she died, but she accepted $13,000 in restitution payment from the post-Nazi government in 1958. The painting was believed to be lost. The Supreme Court petition says a foundation linked to the Spanish Museum bought the painting in 1993. They reportedly bought it from someone else who had bought it under suspicious circumstances from a New York gallery in 1976. Prosecutors in Portugal believe they finally have a suspect in the Madeleine McCann case. The three-year-old British girl vanished from a Portuguese resort while on vacation with her family in 2007. Her disappearance sparked an international hunt, and no one has ever been charged with her abduction. While authorities have not identified the suspect, it's believed he may already be in custody in Germany for an unrelated crime. The person in question is already serving a long prison sentence and has previous convictions for sexually abusing children. While his name has not been released, Germany has made him an official suspect at the request of Portuguese investigators. The reason that led Portuguese prosecutors to identify a suspect now are not clear but it could be related to Portugal's 15-year statute of limitations for crimes with prison sentences of 10 years or more. Next month will mark 15 years since Madeline disappeared. What's the longest you've ever worked for the same company? A man in Brazil broke the Guinness World Record for working at the same company for 84 years. Let's take a look. It's a regular day for 100-year-old Walter Orthman in Brazil. He wakes up in the morning, does simple exercises in bed, eats breakfast with his family, and then drives himself to work. Orthman just entered the Guinness World Record book for working the longest time in the same company, 84 years. 
What's his advice for those looking for a long and fulfilling professional life? You have to like to work. I started to work with that willingness and fighting spirit. You also have to start working on something you like to do. You can't just do any job to say that you are working. That doesn't work. You're not going to be able to stand it. You have to look for a job that you like to do, and there you won't even feel the time passing. That's what happened to me. I started to work here, and I liked it. I worked my way up from point to point until I got to the position I'm in today. According to local media, Orthman started on the factory floor of a company now known as Renault View, which produces fabrics. Soon after, he moved to administration, eventually becoming a sales manager. To keep sharp, he stretches daily and watches his diet. You have to be healthy, so you have to take care of your health. I have been doing that for more than 60 years. I've been taking care of myself since that time. I take care of my diet. I avoid salt and sugar. I avoid things that hurt your intestines. I avoid Coke and other sodas. I only consume things that are good for you. That really helps your body to be strong forever. Orthman and his family live in the southern Brazilian city of Brusque. He celebrated his 100th birthday on April 19th. NASA has recorded video of a Mars moon eclipsing the sun, an effort that helps them determine when the moon might crash into the planet. Perseverance Mars rover used its camera system to shoot video of Phobos, one of Mars's two moons. NASA says it's the most zoomed in, highest frame rate observation of a Phobos solar eclipse ever taken from the Martian surface. Each time the eclipses are observed, they allow scientists to measure subtle shifts in the moon's orbit over time. Several Mars rovers have observed Phobos crossing in front of the sun over the past 18 years. The moon is drifting toward the surface and is expected to crash or fragment into chunks that will impact the planet, but not for tens of millions of years from now. And still to come, a luxury car show is being held in London. Multi-million dollar classics are on display, including a sold-out Ferrari and a special edition Renato Hassan. Find out more here on NTD News. Car enthusiasts are in for a treat with a luxury car event in London this week. Much-loved classic models with a modern tweak will be on display and for sale. The luxury car show is being held in the grounds of the iconic Royal Chelsea Hospital. Both deep-pocketed customers and regular visitors are welcome. Some of the most expensive cars, both classic and modern, will be part of the show. Among them is a 1934 Bernardo Hassan Special. It was designed as a racing car and once broke the Brooklyn's lap speed record, averaging about 142 miles per hour. It's priced at around $5.4 million. Meanwhile, eight cars are making their European or British debuts, including a retro three-wheeled Super 3 by Morgan Motor Company. Two Ferraris are also on display for the first time in Britain. One of them is the already sold-out Ferrari Daytona SP3. It cost more than $2 million when it was still available. There are also world premieres like the Austin Healey by Caton. The car is based on the 1954 Austin Healey prototype, but updated with modern technology. It now has more space to accommodate modern drivers. Unlike the Healey, which runs only on gasoline, a Mustang on display combines the vintage model with an electric engine to cut emissions. The exhibit also features some classic cars that are not for sale, 
but have added to the world's automotive heritage. The whole event will last through Saturday. The blooming of a giant corpse flower in Grand Valley State University in Michigan attracted many to visit and take pictures. It bloomed throughout last Sunday to Tuesday, captured in a time-lapse video. According to one university staff member, it's the first time for this rare plant to flower since it was donated to the university's greenhouse in 2015. It will be years long away for the next bloom. Corpse flower is named after its significant odor when it blooms, like that of a rotting corpse. It's also the tallest flower in the world. Thousands of visitors are flocking to one of Southern California's most colorful and impressive annual sites, the huge blooms at the Carlsbad Flower Fields. And today's Chenny Wu brings us there. Tens of millions of flowers are in blossom at the Carlsbad Flower Fields near San Diego, California. So there, right behind me that you can see here is close to 70 million blooms. And there's nowhere, I think, in California at least, where there's this many flowers blooming right now. The flowers remain in bloom from March till May, but mid-April is said to be the best time to visit. I'd go out on a limb and say that this is the most photographed spot in Southern California. You just can't help but take photographs here. What does it take to grow so many flowers? It's a labor of love and it's a lot of love that goes into the labor to make this place look like it does. It's a nine month crop. So back in early September, we started planting. We plant roughly seven acres every two to three weeks. And the color starts on the north end of the property and then works its way down to the south. One of the big draws is the replica U.S. flag, which is made up of 20,000 petunias and has been planted annually since 9-11. The gardens will be open to the public until Mother's Day. Chenny Wu, NTD News. Activity is calling on us after a long winter, but before setting out, be sure to get your body in tune. Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body. Spring is the most welcome of all the seasons. Why? Because winter releases its grip and the snow finally melts. Of course, the days are brighter and everything in nature springs into action. So that's the perfect time to spring clean your body. Let's follow spring's example to regenerate with these tips. Start by eliminating processed foods from your diet. Eliminate refined sugars, flowers, and seed oils. These foods weigh you down with nutrient-poor calories and other health risk factors. It's time to let them go. Try to get in sync with the season. Chinese medicine singles out the liver. This is a great time of year to detoxify it. You can do that by avoiding heavy foods like red meat and cheese. Take a load off the liver by avoiding alcohol. It's a drug that the liver has to detoxify. Eat less, eat lighter, and relish the season's offering. You can reach for salmon, trout, young chicken, dill, chives, asparagus, and strawberries. Eat artichokes and consider taking milk thistle extract. These two have liver protection properties. Make sure you add lots of veggies to your diet and include a variety of greens. Another thing you can do is to let tan and brown colored foods go. Do this by reducing breads and grains. Go for non-starch vegetables and lower the carbs. Try those young green beans, zucchini, broccoli, baby spinach, 
dandelion greens and watercress. These greens and herbs meet the prescription for spring rejuvenation. Use only the lightest of dressings like extra virgin olive oil and lemon juice or an unrefined apple cider vinegar. Forget the store-bought dressings which are usually high in toxic seed oils and other additives. Buy your fresh produce, then steam, bake, poach, simmer, saute or broil. As the weather warms, add more raw foods as this promotes detox. But a note of caution with raw foods, again from Chinese medicine. If it is still cold outside, you're feeling it or your digestion is weak, wait before you start using raw foods. Finish your spring clean with sprouted foods like flax bars, flax crackers and sprouted seeds. Enjoy your spring detox. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email on screen. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. Thank you.